dances, please. The dance is about to begin. y'all this is aaron bringing you food for that volume 107 here with the semi-social life of a black introvert podcast hope that you're having a wonderful day wherever you are all around the world i hope that you are smiling i hope that the sun is shining i hope that you are filling your own space and vibe y'all i'm excited to talk about the last episode because it obviously according to the comments struck a nerve with you all and, and i'm glad Some people were feeling it. Some people were like, you know what, Aaron, thank you for talking about black magic and white refusal and how it shows up in the workplace. Other people were saying, you know what, Aaron, seems like you were coming off a little harsh on on white people. Seems like you were you were attacking us a bit. You know what? And I hear people. I hear you all. And, And I hear you all respectfully. And let me provide even more context. Not that I'm, listen, I'm not going to change what last episode was. I'm not going to change. I I don't take back anything that I said because trust me, whatever I'm sharing as it relates to this Working Wild Black series, trust me, you're only getting the tip of the iceberg in terms of what I really experienced as a black male working in generally white America. You are getting perhaps even the the filtered version, not knowingly, but y'all have went through some stuff. And so if I happen to highlight or talk about or share, and really I'm sharing because for educational purposes, but if I happen to share what I've been through, what some of the tales, some of the stories, some of the experiences that I've been through, if these hurt you, Imagine how much they hurt me. And you're getting the tip of the iceberg, y'all. I've had to deal with the whole iceberg. I've been hit with the iceberg. I was the Titanic. I hit the iceberg so many times. And it hurts. But I'm sharing these stories. I'm sharing these experiences for two reasons. One is to educate other white folks. Like, come on, y'all. We got to do better. And I say we because... I'm all part of this humanity thing, too. I am part of the human race. And as your brother, as your brother, whether you are my white sister or white brother, as part of our human fabric, I need you to do better for me so that we can do better. If you see some instances that I talked about in the last episode as far as black magic and, and white refusal, address it. I'm not trying to come down hard on you or anything like that. No, I'm trying to give you some information for you to stand up and step up. So that's one. I'm trying to educate my white brothers and sisters. And then two, I'm trying to educate my black and brown, my minority brothers and sisters who are entering into The workplace. Y'all, I'm an educator. I'm an educator at heart. I will teach somebody something. Give me some people. Give me a space and give me some time. And we're going to we're going to learn together. We're going to learn about each other. That's what I do. I am a teacher. I'm an educator. 
And one of the things that I see, I see a lot of um, a lot of black and brown and, and, and students of color entering to workspaces and and we push them to get jobs. We push them to get a job, get a job over here at this company or or your dream job is going to be over here. And once you get the job, you're secure. But let me tell you, and I, I've learned this from experience, getting the job is one thing. But staying in the job is a whole other challenge because sometimes you can get the job of your dreams and it turn into a nightmare based upon the work environment, based upon you being the only person of color in the company, based upon you representing all black people, all brown people, all non-white people every single day. And it's tiring. And it's frustrating and it's lonely and, and, and you'll be overlooked in one regard. And, and at the same time, everybody's attention is is on you. And so, like I said, getting the job is one thing. But how do you stay there and maintain your peace? Maintain your sanity. Maintain who you are. When you are faced with. Feeling the brunt of a system that is that is trying to push you out. Yes, the the workplace in America and really around the world, but but hey, I live in America. Let's talk about America. The workforce in America, the system of the workforce in America is meant to push down upon people of color. Push us out of opportunities to establish uh, financial freedom and wealth. And you see this with high paying positions or or middle class to upper middle class positions in which they will push you out. The system will push you out. Passive aggressive behavior, not getting the the promotion that you that you deserve, being overlooked for promotions, things like that will push you out of your job because let's face it, it can be frustrating. It could be ang- like you could be angered by it. And so the system is meant to push you out. And then once it pushes you out, it pushes you down into jobs that, quite frankly, don't pay enough. Don't pay enough to raise a family. Don't pay enough to to provide for you if you're single. Into jobs in which you have to almost gig your way through life by working two to three part-time jobs and trying to find a full-time job. And, and you end up being... Burn out by the system. Push down and pushed out. And so I don't want my students. I don't want my my mentees. I don't want them to get the job that they've always dreamed of. And be ill prepared to navigate it. Navigation is huge in life. This Working Wild Black series is meant for students to come back to and say, you know what? What I'm facing, what I'm facing in the workplace has happened to somebody else before. And it doesn't make it right. And it doesn't make it much. It doesn't make it much easier. But sometimes knowing that someone else has went through a similar experience can give you can give the person a. a, Enough courage and hope and strategies to get through. Navigation, 
How do you get from day one on the job to to leaving in, in year 10? How do you navigate when when your coworker, colleague says something about you that is so, so hurtful and so culturally insensitive? What do you do? I've I've been there and I didn't know what to do. Had to find out what to do. What do you do when you don't get the promotion? What do you do when people come to you for ideas and they take your ideas, but but they won't promote you? What do you do when you are made an example in front of your colleagues and, and for a variety of reasons, including whether it be consciously or subconsciously, the color of your skin? Because sometimes when you're black in a predominantly white workplace, it's assumed, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, that you can handle a little bit more pain than your white colleagues. White tears have a little bit higher of a currency than your black tears. That's why I am doing this series. It's not about making white people feel bad. No. It's about education. It's about teaching. Having some enlightenment. Encouraging people to do better. Challenge the system. Stand up for people who need your support. It's about teaching my students of color. Yo, it's going to be tough to navigate this workplace sometimes. But but here's some keys. Here's some laughter. Here's some moments of pain. Allow me to speak on them and provide you with with some navigation tools to get you from point A to point B without losing who you are, without losing your integrity, without losing your peace, without losing your mind, and also without losing your job. Y'all, last episode, I talked a lot about white refusal. About how black magic, the magic that some of my colleagues and former co-workers assumed that I have or had over black people. In which I was more equipped to help black customers. And so I will watch my co-workers, my colleagues exercise the privilege of white refusal. Pretty much saying that they would not help black folks, black families, black customers. And I would see management, I would see leadership either tolerated or accepted. Never, I, 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 I never saw management or leadership in my over 20 years of work address it with white employees, with my white colleagues, with my white coworkers, and, and tell them, this is your job. This is this is not right. And in some ways and in some instances, this is racist. Do your job. I didn't see it. I I, even bringing it up to to management, to leadership, to supervisors. It was always, well, you know. Aaron, you know, maybe you're more comfortable helping. People of color, black people. 
you know, give them some time. Not everybody's as skilled as you. And what I took from those meetings was you're willing to accept it or tolerate it. Either way is dangerous. And I can't look to my white colleagues and coworkers to do their job if you as a supervisor won't do yours. It's poor leadership. It's a poor work experience. Some people may say, Aaron, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? I mean, you got to do your job, too. If they're black customers, you just go help them. What's the big deal? Let me tell y'all a story. A story of black magic and white refusal. So y'all was working at this uh, consignment shop. Um, this is probably about ugh, about 15 years ago, right? And they hired me. I was overqualified for the job. Let's let's start there. I was super overqualified. And they hired me because I worked in a high-end retail clothing store, um, which I was the only black male working there. And it looked really good on my resume. So this, this consignment shop hired me, right? And I was, and they let me know from jump, like, we don't hire men. We don't hire men in this job. And and in saying that, I knew they didn't hire black men. Once again, I was like the Jackie Robinson of this consignment shop. But anyway, I started and, and I was overqualified and I was really great at the job. I mean, I know how to put people in clothes. When people would come in, I would get them total outfits. Like it turned into like almost like a personal shopping experience. But once again, and this is 15 years ago, probably more than that. Once again, I saw my coworkers and colleagues refusing to help, like refusing to help black people when they came into the store. So, you know, like you hear like the little, the, the ding of the, uh, of the door, you know, the little chime or whatever, the bell. And they would look up at the door and stay behind the cash register, folding the clothes, acting like they were busy. They weren't busy. They just refused to help. And so I, you know, hey, I'm going to go help people and I'm definitely going to help black people. Right. Like like it's not right. I knew it wasn't right what they were doing. But you know what? I'm going to go do my job. And so I did my job and, and I created incredible like shopping experiences for black families, black people who came into that store. Sounds good, right? Everybody wins, right? The customer wins. You know, my white uh, co-workers, they win by by their refusal. I win by, you know, I'm doing my job. Everybody wins, right? Wrong. I get a phone call. Get a voicemail, I believe. I don't know if I picked up the phone or a voicemail. It's like 15 years ago. Anyway, pretty much I was fired. I was fired from the job. What was I fired for? Was it for being late? Was I being rude? Was I making people uncomfortable? Was I intimidating? Nah, no, nah, it, it was, well, you know, it was a couple, it was a couple of those things. Let me say it wasn't one of those things. I was making my coworkers uncomfortable. What was I doing to make them uncomfortable? You may ask. I was helping the black customers. The manager told me. She said, every time your family comes in here to shop, you talk to them. 
and you spend so much time talking to your family and helping them find clothes that you're not really doing your job, that your family keeps on coming in here. Y'all, I I was pissed off. I was newly married. I needed that job. We were already living check to check. Like I needed that part-time job. I was graduating from school. Like, Like I needed that. They fired me. And the excuse, the, the, the reason, it wasn't an excuse, the reason, because I was talking to my family when my family would come in the store. Let me give you a little, a little bit of information. My family never stepped foot in that store. My family lived over 80 miles away in a couple counties over an hour and a half drive away. My family never stepped foot in that store. They assumed that the black customers who came in were my family. Because, well, you know, they must be, right? Yeah, I got fired for helping black customers. The same customers that they refused to help. The customers that they went out of their way to not help in any type of way. I got fired for doing my job for helping these customers. And then... They assumed that all these folks who were coming in because they actually got some some customer service. They assumed all these folks based upon my interactions, based upon being attentive, based upon doing my job. were my family. Y'all black magic ain't real. But I can tell you. White refusal is as real as it gets. Is real hurtful. It's really ignorant. And in some cases, it could be really deadly. And so to my white brothers and sisters who are hearing this, once again, the message, y'all, the message is the same. If you see white refusal, step up, stand up. And speak up. Because. We ain't got no black magic. Because even if we did. Trust me. The racist biggest in this country. Would have taken that too. Don't. Turn. A deaf ear. And a blind eye. To the privilege of white. Refusal. If you are a manager, a supervisor, a CEO, a leader, a worker, whatever you do in whatever position you hold, don't be silent. Don't be scared. Don't tolerate it. Don't accept it. Because there's a whole generation of black and brown kids that need you to do the very thing that so many others refused to do. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And as always, be well. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. The journey is over.